0: I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance?
1: Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan.
0: I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hi, everybody. I'm Francis. It's Oops. Welcome to the show. He is Julio. Hi.
1: Hello. How are you? Oh,
0: what's happening, dude?
1: <laughs> Nothing, man. Feeling good. Still uh, at the GF's uh, family home. Enjoying Nearby, it. Sh-
0: near Chicago.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm in her sister's room.
0: Wow. And, uh,
1: you know, it's good.
0: Anything cool in there?
1: Uh, it's a really nice room, actually. I'm not sleeping in here, in case anybody's wondering. We are sleeping in the same bed like adults, but mm-hmm. I'm, this is my little workspace. And uh, right. you know, it's where we make
0: delicious pod content for you guys. That's right. We're stirring up some some conversations that will will be likely to uh, lighten your load, and um, that's that's the goal here. I, I'm in the Hamptons still, dude. I'm leaving tomorrow, and I, I have to tell you, the Hamptons are I, I'm not sure about them. At first, I thought when I got out here, boy, this is really cool. What a lovely place. And now I've spent enough time around people with inordinate wealth that I have come to see and learn that the acquisition of memberships at beach clubs and golf courses and yacht clubs powers the entire focus of the people who live out here. Mm-hmm. And I don't, overly, I don't mean to overly generalize, but dude there is so much focus on material wealth and the hierarchy and stacking of people based on where they belong, what they own, how long their driveway is, that it's kind of turning me off.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little uptight for sure. And I think it's this thing where like, there's always some kind of race. Yeah. And I always used to wonder, cause I grew up in a pretty like middle-class place and we used to think of, you know, the wealthy towns in Connecticut was our reference point. We're kind of like, Oh, Greenwich, that was like the rich people, whatever, even like towns nearby that we thought were like wealthy towns or whatever. And I realized, and then you'd think I'd be like, what do those people have to be, have to complain about? You know, they have everything. And then I remember kind of like, getting to know some of these people and these, you know, high society circles or whatever. And I realized that like, once you're in that bubble, you like reset and it starts over. Like you're just competing with the people in your bubble. You forget that like most people live like normal ass lives and you have like a fancy privileged life, but you're suddenly now just competing against the only people you know, which are equally or more rich people. And somehow those people are actually less happy to me. I know it sounds like a cliche.
0: Dude. Absolutely. No matter where you are in life, there's always somebody who has more everything than you do. Totally. Everything. I mean, that's that's really the truth of it. Even Saudi princes, every Saudi prince <laughs> has an older brother who has more everything. A yacht that's <laughs> one foot longer. Dude, can you imagine if you're a Saudi prince and your older brother got, you got a yacht, you know, 450 foot yacht and your older brother gets a 451 foot yacht. I, 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 I bet that happens all the fucking time.
1: And they joke about how one has one's a foot longer and they act like they don't care, but the younger brother's actually very upset.
0: Dude, they're all size queens over there. I, um, <laughs> I, 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 it's just crazy to me, dude, um, because here's the thing, you know, I, I think money and wealth are obviously provide flexibility, options, security, <laughs> uh the the comfort of knowing your kids education is taken care of all of that for sure but when i was i don't know when i was 4 years old my parents made the decision to move us from rumson new jersey which was a very wealthy town and uh move us up to maine and i've i've found out later in life that the, the guiding pulse or the guiding reason for that the impetus for that was they didn't want us kids growing up around other kids who were so affected by the wealth of the family.
1: Interesting. That was, a, that was a driving principle in the move.
0: That was the this number, like it. the number one thing. Um, wow. And it was just so material in Rumson, New Jersey. It's a very wealthy town in New Jersey. And um, I mean, they wanted like, you know, space and outdoor living. And, you know, they, it's not like we could afford waterfront property in New Jersey. So in Maine at the time, you know, it was pretty cheap. This was back in like 1992. Um, And so whatever, your money goes a lot farther in Maine. But I remember my mom saying to me that they were watching as my sister's six-year-old classmates were coming to school with coach handbags at six. That's crazy. And they just hated that, and they thought it was kind of gross, and so they moved us to Maine. And I grew up in Maine, and Maine is not like that at all. Um, (laughs) You know, so uh, now coming to the Hamptons, you get us – and granted, look, I've been playing golf at these golf courses as a guest of these people who are – it's the most elite golf courses in the world. I played National Golf Links of America on Tuesday. I played Shinnecock. On Wednesday,
1: how was Shinnecock?
0: Oh my god, dude! Amazing. You know, it, it was amazing. It was amazing, but I have to say that I thought National was actually more spectacular. Wow, um, Shinnecock is really cool. Obviously, there's so much history. It's an insane golf course. Um, very, very cool. But, dude, you know what's weird about these places? Both courses, especially Shinnecock, has a public road that runs right through the middle of it. Oh, interesting. And there are tea boxes off of the road. You're talking, you're 10 feet away from a car of people driving to their job. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, and right. Those people can honk in your backswing if they want. <laughs> or if they really were mad at the, the wage gap or whatever, the income inequality, they could just drive their Jeep Grand Cherokee out and do donuts across the 10th green. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. I don't know why it doesn't happen more often. Right. That seem like, it seems like this pristine golf course is very prone to vandalism.
1: Right, 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 right. It's, we're, it's in Southampton?
0: Southampton, yeah. Mm, Dude, well, you can drive right through the heart of it. Right (laughs) to the extent that, like, there's a hole where you hit a drive and then you have to hit your approach shot over the road and then look both ways as you cross in your golf spikes.
1: No way. That's like that's unusual,
0: right? Yeah, and if you if you thin hit a hit a shot thin and it stays low, I mean, you could go through the passenger side window and out the out the (laughs) other side. You could kill somebody.
1: Now, is that part of why the course is so cool? Because it like weaves through, you know, the civil engineering of the nearby town? Or does that have nothing to do with
0: it? So I think what happened was, apparently, by the way, of of the top 10 golf courses in America, something like seven of them have a public road that runs right through the middle. Interesting. Um, And apparently what happened was like, at least with Shinnecock, the course was so old that it was built... Before Southampton became this crazy, bustling summer retreat, right. and the traffic has grown so much out there that they needed to build the road in order to create access to the beach gotcha. and you know get people from the north to the south and back um, and so the golf course was there first, and they had to they had to do this and Dude, it's weird. Like, I, I, I was asking my buddy, you know, as I was waiting to hit, I was like, oh, here comes a car. I should wait, right? And he was like, no, 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 <laughs> fuck those people. Like, go ahead. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know about fuck those people. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know <laughs> if that's how I feel about their nice little Nissan Maxima that I'm about to potentially ruin.
1: <laughs> well, dude, so I noticed a lot of these like nice courses, quote unquote, are like near the ocean does that just inevitably make them more difficult because of the wind and stuff?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Shinnecock is not on the ocean. It's right in the middle of, uh, it's right in the middle of like Southampton. Um, So it's on Tuckahoe lane or something. And I mean, it's right up on this Hill and it's, it's really stunning. Uh, National does have um, water views of the North of the Bay of long Island. Um, but dude, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty cool. You know, you walk into the locker room and there's Eli Manning's locker. There's Michael Bloomberg's locker. A lot of names that you recognize, you know what I mean? Very cool.
1: Very Um, cool.
0: Yeah. Really. But dude, I I will say it was like, you know, when we got here first day or two, my thought was, boy, it would be cool to make enough money someday to buy a place out here and, and join these, got to join these really fancy golf clubs. Yeah. And then 10 days later, my thought is like, I don't want my kids to fucking suck. Mm. I don't want my kids to be shitty people. And if I brought them out here and they were surrounded by the other kids and going to summer camp at sailing camp and whatever else they're going to like, that's just going to affirm their worldview that this is the good life, and anybody who doesn't have this is less than.
1: So, dude, I think that, you know, th- I think there's a big risk for that. But, dude, I know, kinda, I know like a bunch of kids who, you know, grew up in the city, have houses in the Hamptons, and like they're as much of dicks as their parents are. Like, there's plenty of really nice kids I know who, like, you know, as I'm sure you too, like with tutoring and stuff, you probably noticed some kids were much better than others.
0: Yes. Yes, and I also know shitty kids who grew up with tremendous parents.
1: Yes, same.
0: That's tremendously true. grounding uh humble parents regardless right. of wealth or whatever. So yes, you do run the risk regardless of where you what whatever school you put your kids into, whatever shit you buy them growing up. I think the odds increase if you have them running around with you know other kids who are getting picked up in Bentleys from you right. know chess club or whatever the fuck it is out here that they're doing, I just think you when you surround them and immerse them in in such elevated wealth, you run the risk that they're going to lose touch mm-hmm. with the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. That Dude, like
0: I, in Maine, I had a really rich friend growing up, um, and we we like we knew him to be our rich friend and we would go to his house and we like we we thought it was we thought it was like a playground. We thought his house was just a big playground. I remember they had the height of wealth for us was the fact that they had a refrigerator solely dedicated to drinks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they had like tons of sodas and Kool-Aid and all kinds of beverages. The fact that they had a separate refrigerator for drinks was something that made me think like th- this is the height of, of wealth. Of a dude, champion. we
1: had that. We had that kid too, and I was just like drinking four or five cans of Surge a night, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like dude. crushing soda, just, like a champ.
0: Just, just, like shaking and running around. Um, they had a Papa Shot, you know, thing, which is something I'd only ever seen in like in an arcade up oh, at yeah. that point. <laughs> and dude, so. You know, we used to go to their house. I bet you that family was worth like $8 million, you know? Like, I don't know, $10 okay. million. Which makes you like middle class in New York City. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't even sniff the fucking Hamptons. Yeah, I know. With $8 million. Or not s- certain parts of the Hamptons. Now, you could sniff them, but you would be doing
1: it, and you'd be doing it on the cheap.
0: You'd bu- you'd be buying a fixer upper that you wouldn't fix up.
1: And this is assuming though, but you have your- an apartment in the city and a family, so you can't use the whole eight million on your house.
0: Bingo! Yeah. yeah, that's your nest egg. That's your like safety net.
1: That's your everything. Yeah.
0: Now I will say, Southampton is in a different stratosphere. Sagaponic is in a different stratosphere if you go to certain places like quag or west hampton you can you can find a more toned down uh, level of this mm-hmm. where there still is a semblance of like kids being kids indifferent to you know the the very obvious writing on the wall of wealth and mm-hmm. you know I, I i used to tutor kids that were head of houses out in like fisher's island and you'd take a You'd take a ferry out there and and what they love about being out there is just being able to bike around and run to the corner store and get an ice cream cone. Like it's not, there's no, you know, it's no cars. It's not like crazy, crazy wealth. Sag Harbor
1: has a little of that too. It's a little more toned down.
0: Yeah. But I think it's all going this way. I think Mm. that the, there's, there's gentrification happening even of other parts of the Hamptons. Right no you're right it reaches this breakneck pace that you know you can't really escape it so
1: well dude i'll even say i think that like amagansett in my opinion is one of those emerging vibes where like it really fits our you know generation in the sense where it has like sort of a brooklyn feel to it that feels really like current whereas like an east hampton feels a little kind of like snooze you know what i mean oh yeah cool like london jewelers cool dude you know what i mean like you're right. I don't know. Like in my opinion, it's more appealing to have sort of more of that kind of like new, or nuanced, new vibe.
0: Totally. Yeah. We went. I mean, I, I, I absolutely agree. But dude, you, you know, it's weird. And the reason that I'm talking about this so much is that I think that this is happening around America. I think that uh, all major cities, whether it's Chicago, New York, Boston. LA, whatever, there is going to be an exodus of young people, young 32, 33 year old people who, n- under normal circumstances, would have stuck it out in the cities until they were 37, 38. Have a kid, you know, in a two bedroom apartment, raise the kid for a couple years before you decide to make the plunge to the suburbs. I think that exodus is being bumped up five or six years for young people with money. Right. Um, I think that the, there's going to be, you know, there's just... And, and, and you're seeing, like, real estate markets in the suburbs of these cities, in the Hamptons, in Westchester, in fucking Cape Cod, wherever the fuck it is, are, are on fire, out of control. Right. And it's going to create... Um, more like natural distancing, you know what I mean? Like people are not going to be as close together. Everyone wants space. And uh, it's going to change the landscape of, of of cities and urban growth uh, yeah. for a long time.
1: Yeah, it's, it's fucked up how like, you know, it's been what, four, four from five months of this or whatever. And it's incredible how quickly, I mean, it takes, it. it it's a painful transition, but it's amazing how quickly like, life can kind of be permanently altered. Like I forget what it used to be like. And I miss it, dude. I, I remember, I sort of remember, like as a, kind of the way you remember a deceased relative, but I feel what it used to be like. And that's weird, dude. Like the idea of doing stand-up again gives me anxiety because like, I feel like I don't know how to do it.
0: I don't, I, I, you know, I may never go back to that. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm aware of that possibility. Um, and dude, you know, it's, I mean, what's amazing like the ivy league just canceled all fall sports wow um i got an email saying that like they're gonna allow the the freshmen back to campus in the fall but they're all the classes are going to be online so nobody's going to be going to lecture calls which like begs the question why the fuck are they even going back to campus right are they going to go to the dining halls Is, is there any campus life right i think the reality is setting in that this is going to be the way things are for a lot longer than anyone had thought. Right. I mean, I remember a month ago when things were starting to reopen and loosen up. And I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe we're coming back wrong. I know. Which is a bummer because like,
1: In a lot of the world, things are the same. Like I look at, as they were before, like I look at friends of mine who live in Israel and who live in Korea, and I see them living their normal lives. And it's like really crazy that we can't
0: yet. You know what I mean? I know, but it it might happen to those countries too.
1: Right. I just think
0: that, I I think that, you know, until there's a vaccine, this is going to continue to spread and flare up and have second waves. And I don't mean to be so dreary in my outlook but dude we're you buckle buckle in people you know what i mean like settle in for the long winter right uh because this is dude think about think about new york city in the winter if ref restaurants right now restaurants have opened outdoor dining once the weather turns that's all gone and indoor dining is not allowed why would anyone and, and stand-up's not open and you know why would anyone be in New York like, if you, unless you have to be like who's gonna want to be there
1: yeah no totally totally dude well I, I would say to everybody is even though this you know obviously sucks in many ways you know try to in, embrace and enjoy the things that you are doing that you would not be doing otherwise you know I'm sure that there's things that you're doing that you're enjoying And you know, try to think about that as much as you're thinking about on the thinking about the stuff you're missing out on, because that is a you know bummer (laughs) if that's all you're doing.
0: I know. I want to. I want to change my tone here to try to provide some uplifting uh, thoughts to our listeners.
1: Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now, and I said, "If you're thinking about starting a podcast," I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, Anchor.fm, download it now.
0: I, it's funny. Do you, remember, do you remember all the goals you set? Remember all the things you said, wow, well, this moment in time will provide me the space to do this, to, to read more, to pick up an instrument, to learn another language, to get in shape. Remember all that?
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you what I haven't done. Get in shape.
0: (laughs) I was going to ask.
1: I tried, dude. I mean, listen, I had like a whole plan. A friend of mine was kind of like writing these plans and diets for me. And this guy's like a really jacked, he's like a big guy. And I was just like eating a lot and I was like starting to get big, but I was like, not that's like not really what I want to look like, you know. What I mean, mm-hmm. that's usually a thing that people say who are like lazy. They're like, Well, I don't want to like get big, and it's I like, All right, dude, you haven't even started lifting yet, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I really put in hard work for a few months and I was starting to like get bigger, but like I didn't like I didn't really like the way that looked. Um, yeah. anyway, when I left my situation on Long Island, I kind of lost the gym situation, so I've kind of like pivoted and adjusted. And I kind of, I don't really know if I look the same or whatever. I think I look a little better than I did, but I'm definitely not fit. Mm. But the good news is, which you were just talking about, and this is a silver lining situation, it looks like I'm going to have some time.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: Somebody said to everybody who's bummed out about the fact that they don't have the quarantine body yet, (laughs) it ain't over. Get your (laughs) ass back inside. (laughs) That's very accurate.
0: Um, Oh, that's sad.
1: um, What about you, dude? Your fitness situation,
0: I you know, I do the best that I can. Um, what I've felt is like, like for I've been out in the Hamptons for ten days, and there's no I don't have my Peloton, I don't have any weights out here. Right. I'm sort of beholden to to jogging and uh, you know the occasional set of twenty push-ups and <laughs> call call it a day. It's it's pretty <laughs> pathetic. Um, I'm not worried about you
1: though, dude. I mean, I've seen you at home workout before and I was pretty impressed. Fine. Not that that that
0: matters, but no, I know. I I appreciate it. But like, I just, when I get into places where I don't have the ability to do a great workout, I kind of just hold on. Right. Um, but what I do is I, I try to adjust my eating, right? Like if I have a meal, if I go out to dinner, at night and I haven't worked out that day or for a couple days I'm not ordering dessert because I haven't fucking earned it right and I don't want to sound like a preacher here but like I'll, I'll just if, if, if I re- like it's so easy to let yourself go if you tell yourself you're on vacation if you say you know well I'll get it back next week when I'm back with my peloton whatever the fuck you have you know it's, it's, I've always felt that when it comes to fitness, it's far easier to keep pace than to catch up. Right. It's far easier to keep weight off than it is to lose weight. Totally. And so in times like this, I'm just holding on, I'm holding on, you know, I'll probably go for like a two mile jog today, run it at like eight, eight minute pace, eight and a half minute miles. It's not like, it's not like a ton, but right. You know, when you're eating salads and oatmeal for breakfast, it's it's kind of all you really need to just not balloon. Totally,
1: dude. Totally, and 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 that brings up a very good point, which is, oftentimes, the most effective route is not doing something. Yeah, it's easy to go do something. It's very hard to not do something that you want to do. Right. When it comes to, especially when it comes to eating or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have pretty much lost. I've kind of lost perspective about what kind of shape I'm in. Good news. I played a set against the pro at the local at my girlfriend's club and I won.
0: Whoa.
1: I'm in, I'm in some sort of decent good enough shape to win a set in 90 degree heat. So here's here's the
0: question. Here's the big question. When you come in and you beat a tennis pro at a club, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, can that guy keep working there? Like, does he Does he go home and cry? How I have a lot to work? say about this.
1: I have a lot to say about this. I used to teach, and there'd be guys who'd want to play a set. So you don't want to absolutely kill them because, you know, then they feel bad about themselves and they didn't enjoy it. So you want to keep it kind of close and then you just, then you want to kick their ass. So there have been times where I kept it too close and I ended up losing. And I could tell that the guy like thought he was hot shit. When in reality, I could beat that guy 6-0. Six, six you know what I mean? Mm, okay. um, in this case... It was really hot. This guy's a good player. I know he's a good player. He played for, you know, a good very good program um, in college. And he has been out on that court all fucking day long. It's so yeah. hot. He I needed a racket. He gave me his racket and then he used the racket that I didn't want to use. So inevitably it's going to make him a little worse. And he took that like a champ. I don't think he was I still don't think he was trying his hardest because he had to be out there for another six and a half hours. And I know that he's still a good player. You know what I mean? It means nothing if I take a set. Because I'm, you know, I'm a good player. I know I should be able to beat people who are pretty good unless they're just way too good, which a lot of the time these pros are fucking na- nasty and would be able to kick my ass. Um, so I don't feel – I felt bad making that guy play set in the middle of the day, to be honest.
0: That's well, I wow. I mean, there's so much you're, – you're really making a lot of excuses for him. And I think that's <laughs> it's very noble of you and very generous. But putting, putting the shoe on the other foot, you beat a guy whose job is to be good at tennis. And, uh, you know, you're, you're not playing sets or competitive tennis that much. You're using a racket that isn't even yours. That's true, too. You know, you're putting on bulk and not really trying that hard to be in shape. So in a weird way, I mean, this guy, you know, I don't know how he, he should switch jobs. And uh, it's it's really pretty embarrassing, I would say, It's <laughs> how I see it. That's the way I see it.
1: That's very funny, dude. That's very, very funny.
0: I like that opposing view. Look, let's put it this way. If, am trying to think of a, like, well, I guess like, I don't know, lacrosse, if I went out right now and played one-on-one lacrosse with a guy who like is a coaches at camps and maybe maybe plays you know in men's leagues and is very active as a lacrosse player and I went out there and just whooped him in one-on-one drills Um, I would probably ask him to to quit to retire I, I think I'd have to tell him look this is not for you under no circumstances should i be beating you i haven't taken this sport seriously in a decade um you know like look at look at what just happened you need to take (laughs) stock and if you want your children to respect you you should hang it up you should quit that's what that's what should happen
1: that's funny dude oh god (sighs)
0: Dude, speaking of, um, you know, I've been I've been I've been like following the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, mixed Mm -hmm. martial arts a bit. There was a clip that came out of uh, this fighter who was at a restaurant, got into a verbal altercation. I think he's probably pretty drunk. Ended up punching some overweight old man, (laughs) knocking him to the ground, and then he starts screaming at his girlfriend or this other girl that was like trying to get him to chill out. And he ends every yell with the n-word, but he's, but he's, but he's using it colloqu- colloquially, like um, with an a at the end. Totally, totally. Okay. And let's put it this way:
1: <laughs> I love how that means using it colloquially, dude.
0: <laughs> well, meaning it's true, though it's true. The the girl wasn't black, right? right? Oh, okay, yeah. So he's he's not throwing it around as any kind of label or accusation. Right, right, right um was he a person he's of color? not black okay. okay but i don't and i don't think he was latin american okay i don't even know if that's the politically correct term i get so confused about yeah, I know. south okay. america he tried. He tried um yeah forgive me <laughs> everybody uh mea culpa so um he's throwing it <laughs> you know he's saying it and he's almost like he's being like that guy punched me first and word like all this and if you If you only heard the audio, obviously, depending on who you are, but if you only heard the audio, I think you would think it was less racist than if you watched the video
1: makes sense that make that checks out
0: it was a It was a fascinating realization for me um because it was the first thing where I was like, well yeah, okay. He definitely shouldn't be using that word. Mm -hmm. But he was so comfortable using it. And it was so so part of his lexicon that it almost felt like this guy's been saying this for a while (laughs) and nobody's said anything. Right. And I almost feel like he's probably said it around black people and maybe they haven't said anything because there right. were a lot of people around i mean
1: there, right. there were this guy has been enabled over time
0: yeah he's been desensitized to this totally. and nobody has checked him on it yeah and maybe that's because he's a ufc fighter and you don't yeah. want to be the guy who fucking tells him hey buddy uh don't say
1: that i'm uncomfortable you know? <laughs> it's like oh yeah you're uncomfortable you're about to be more uncomfortable when i break your neck
0: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um like what am I you know my best case scenario if I'm in his vicinity and he says that would be that I would tweet or dm John Bones Jones and be like hey dude um just so you know one of your colleagues is throwing this word around uh you might want to tell him not okay <laughs> <laughs> dude literally but i don't know it was it was a very like look it, and of course in no way am i condoning it and nor is it my place for it to, to be like the judge and jury of whether this guy can use it but it was the first time where I, I listened to something and saw a clip and I was like hmm that <laughs> didn't feel as racist as I expected it to and it was simply because of the way that he spoke
1: right right I listen now that's this is a, that's a fair assessment in my mind
0: yeah I don't know <laughs> am i going to get in trouble for saying what i just said but i don't I'm think just, so
1: i think you were yeah. very diplomatic about it yeah but we'll see what were you going to say oh so dude so i have the speeding ticket and i'm fighting it now so I, I, let's we we can call this what would you say
0: mm. i love a good speeding ticket <laughs> fight a little court <laughs> battle
1: so let's call this to fight or not to fight mm-hmm. so i i hired an attorney online which is never an ideal situation but whatever it's I checked, I looked into their like better business rating. <clears throat> they have an A plus, like it's not a scam. I was like, all right, whatever. So I paid this guy 95 bucks flat fee and he's going to find my ticket. Of my ticket was probably upwards of around $400. Um, speed trap, whatever. And the guy's like, I'm pretty confident we'll get this thrown out. It's going to take a few months though. You will not have to appear in court in Texas. And this morning he emailed me. He's like, I'm going to need, if you can get it, I'm going to, it would be helpful if I can get your driver record from your state. So now I have to fucking mail in a thing and get my driver of record <laughs> mailed to me and it's going to go to my parents' house and they're going to have... And I'm starting to think, was it worth it?
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you think? All right. There's two, there's two answers to this. Well, there's, there's a couple things you need to consider. The first thing you have to ask yourself is, what is my time value? Uh, what, is my, what is the value of my time? Right. And that changes in life. Meaning, if you have a busy work week, your value of time is a lot higher. Like, the, the, you know, let's, let's say, like, if your billable rate for yourself for your hours of time is higher, right, than if you are in a, a week where you don't have a lot going on and you have the ability to do bullshit tedious, busy work, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first question you have to ask yourself. Okay. And my answer, question, my
1: answer to that question, since yeah. we're doing this exercise, is that even though it's annoying, these little tasks are going to take 10 minutes, uh, t- 10 minutes each you know, over a period of time. That is still annoying, but that, that, that's what I would say in my head.
0: Okay, so like, could you assign a rate to yourself? Could you tell yourself like right now, my time is worth hundred dollars an hour or my right now my time is worth $50 an hour.
1: I mean, dude, it all, it, it all depends if this commercial airs or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fair like point. it's really, it's really hard to give myself like a billable rate because it's so unclear how much money I'm going to be making.
0: Well, it, it sort of harkens back to the conversation we had about like, if a sugar mama contacted us, like what would we charge for a weekend? Right. And I said to you, like, I wouldn't do it for less than like four grand or something. Right. And and that's because right now my weekends are so valuable to me that I just, it's not that I think that I'm worth that. I wouldn't do it for less. And that's your billable rate for yourself. Right. Right. So for me, like to spend, if let's say that I knew this battle for the parking ticket was going to cost me five hours of my time and you're talking about saving $400 and it's not even going to be that because it be gonna... around
1: 300, 300. So
0: you the lawyer is going to take a hundred, right? The, the lawyer's
1: 95 and now I have to pay 20 to get my driving records. So now I'm okay. in for a hundred
0: so was $115, which means that you are talking about saving, uh, you know, $285, right? So mm-hmm. what amount of time Is $285 worth. Fair. For me, it's at most one hour. Right. And I don't mean to sound like a fucking big swinging dick, but when I was tutoring, I was charging $300 an hour. Right. Right. And $285 an hour is an hour of my time. Right. Maybe an hour and a half. And a lot of that depends on how petty are you
1: okay so now that that is an important question and the answer is i'm my dad got me riled up okay what were you you gonna say
0: well then that changes the equation
1: so if my initial reaction was like this town was like pretty you know no offense to the town it it was decrepit it was like falling apart and it was clear to me that this is a way that they generate income for their town and my dad goes well that's not a reason why they should be able to fucking rob people julio and i was like (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, at first, I was kind of like, you know, maybe I'll, I'm, I'm happy to contribute to this town's sort of pathetic economy, but now I'm kind of like, fuck this, fuck them, you know what I mean? So now right. I want to make this cop have to show up in court, I want to drag it on, I want to be a dick, back, because I felt, even though I was speeding, like, yep. I, you know, so I don't know, I, it's a con- it's a conflicting thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but but these are all very important considerations. Right. Can I let me offer you a, a, a similar situation that we went through because I think it provides a good counter example. Okay. So we went to the beach in, I, I guess, Amagansett a couple last week on maybe Thursday or Friday or something. There was parking, you know, right in front of the beach and we had me, my girlfriend, my friend Doug and his fiance in the car. Right. The parking spots all said like you required a town of East Amagansett parking pass or permit in order to park there. Yeah, Obviously we didn't have one. I don't even think we saw those signs. We just took a parking space. We went to the beach, which was only, you know, a hundred feet away. We were at the beach for three and a half, four hours. We came back and we had a parking ticket for $150.
1: Right.
0: My friend Doug and I, without even thinking, thought absolutely worth it. Yeah, definitely. If you had told us that we could park in that spot and that he and I would have to split seventy-five, pay $75 each to park there without the hassle of finding some other parking spot, of potentially dropping people off and then shuttling people yeah, back and theory. forth, no-brainer. Not worth it. Four yeah. hours at the beach, Uh, without the hassle 150 bucks no problem and and the town knows that they know that everyone who parks there doesn't care because as we were like pulling the ticket off the the windshield some guy walked by some local and he was like you should fight that make sure you fight that and we were like "I, I don't I don't think we will you know what I mean we were like we're not gonna fight it that that is just a life tax agreed That is a life tax for efficiency and, (laughs) and totally fine. Now, if it had been five hundred dollars, different story. We would have fought it. It's the time (laughs) value, right? So there you go. But there's
1: that's an example because and you guys are splitting it. So that means, but it's still potentially worth it to fight it because it's just such an, it's such an like intense fine. If my speeding ticket had been one hundred twenty bucks, I would have paid it. You know what I mean? Four hundred is a lot.
0: 400 is, is a big pill to swallow. Absolutely. But as you start to see what is required, you're yeah. in going into fighting this and you start to figure out how long is this going to take, you have to ask yourself, how angry am I at the injustice of this? How, how much do I care? Because, dude, let me tell you something. There are things that there are like life taxes of $25 that might take you 10 hours to, to fix that are worth it. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like
1: what though? Do you have an example?
0: All right. Usually this is like airline stuff for me. Okay. Okay. So here's something, right? Um, I, I bought flights to Milan To go to my friend that I'm actually with, his wedding was in Lake Como. We've talked about this Mm -hmm. first week of August. The flights have been canceled by the airline, right? (laughs) I I use points to buy the flights for both me and my girlfriend. The flights have been canceled. I'm pretty confident. I'm I'm just one quick, easy phone call away from getting all those points back. I'm certain I'm going to get a refund for that. But I had paid, this was on Emirates Air. I had paid for my girlfriend and me to have assigned seats in coach. Um, I wanted to make sure, obviously, overnight flight, that we were sitting together. And I also paid for a row that only had two seats together so that we could kind of not deal with, like, a person in the middle. We wouldn't have to have a middle seat, all that. Those seat assignments cost me, like, 50 bucks Mm -hmm. per seat. So 100 $100 total. I know. In the grand scheme of things, you know, I'm getting back like fifteen hundred dollars worth of points for the overall tickets, but I don't. I have not seen anything about a refund for those seat assignments, the extra money Mm -hmm. that I paid for those. I know it's going to be a very difficult labyrinthine series of phone calls to Emirates Air, wherever the fuck their are headquarters in, <laughs> however many crazy language buttons I'm going to have to press to get to the right person to somehow track down my seat assignments and try to fight for those. And it may not even come back, right? And yet it's worth it to me. If you told me it would take five hours of waiting on hold for some reason... Getting that $100 back means more to me than the $150 parking ticket at the Amagansett Beach.
1: Totally. Yes, because you're getting taken advantage of as opposed to you making an exchange with the town.
0: They are relying on you being someone who says, ah, whatever, fuck it. It's not worth my time. Guess what, Emirates Air, you motherfuckers? It is my time. (laughs) It, you, you mess with the wrong guy. Okay. You may have 99 passengers out of 100 who don't care about that $50 seat assignment. I'm that one guy. I am going to come down on you with the wrath of 100 phone calls. And until my phone runs out of battery, I will not give up that fight.
1: Dude, I like your chances. They're, they're like considered the best airline in the world. I don't know what their customer service is like, but I imagine it's got to be pretty good. I feel like you'll, you'll be okay. Fine.
0: One of the big problems though, is that this whole flight was booked through points. So it's technically right, right, like right, a right. travel agent. It was chase travel rewards or whatever. And that system is so fucked.
1: So dude, I have, um, I've dealt with this too. I put, so I planned a trip around the same time so that we could kind of stand the same schedule. Um, and I was going to go to Greece and we've had, so our airline has canceled our flights as well. And it was a multi with different airlines. So with Norwegian, it was very, very easy. I've already gotten a full refund.
0: They're great. With with
1: Aegean Airlines, as you might imagine, I called, they're offering credit. I'm like, fuck that. So I called Amex and they're like, if you've already requested a credit, we can dispute it for you. Hmm. So I went through that whole process. It was a pain in the fucking ass. I canceled one hotel and i got my money back it was through marriott now the other hotel is a boutique one and i can't, i'm i'm not physically allowed to go to the country for the dates of my hotel mm-hmm. But their argument is that because they are open i can i can take a credit
0: oh god yeah it's
1: not a pain in the i'm like fuck that so what i'm yeah. going to do is i'm not going to agree to the credit yet if for some reason they happen to close in the next couple of weeks i can then contest oh, it oh nice yeah Yep. But moral of the story, book your shit through Amex. Oh, really? People listening, yeah. Because they're just way better about this stuff than any other company, That, in my personal experience. But it's been a pain to try to recoup our losses with that.
0: Right. Did you guys I mean, book
1: hotels already?
0: We we had one hotel. We had, we had booked our hotels for the wedding. And fortunately, I got those back. I booked those through mm-hmm. Hotels.com. And then they you know they were non-refundable but then the the hotel fortunately like ceded to them you know obviously they they can't come the wedding's canceled the whole country's shut down whatever so uh i got that back but dude here's an interesting little wrinkle by the way first of all you booked on aegean airlines i would in general (laughs) i would advise people not to book air travel on airlines that are named after bodies of water i just think (laughs) I just think that that is dancing with the devil. I, you know, I think it, I don't think that's a good idea. I, I, I would try to, like, you, you try to avoid
1: Bad omens.
0: I don't think that's a, I don't think that's what you want in They're life. That's funny as fuck, dude. Oh my God. Um, but dude, the other thing is I booked <laughs> these flights, I booked, these, uh, or no, I booked the hotel for Lake Como while I was in Canada. And so I got charged for it based off Canadian dollars.
1: Oh, what? what? And I
0: actually did the conversion. I like checked it and the rate I was getting in Canadian, I think I had the option to pay an American. It was the same. Right. But I got refunded in the Canadian dollars. And fortunately, the value of the Canadian dollar has not changed so much. Oh, okay. But dude,
1: think about if you were like, i know i think about this if you
0: booked a flight in zimbabwe and then like six months later got canceled or something and the country had undergone stagflation yeah like you could be you you could be out big time
1: dude and like in in countries where people travel to more often even like in turkey the turkish lira is like all over the place yeah and like that could easily happen to you and that Mm. would fucking blow
0: Dude, the, the, the last piece I have is I have this great group chat of friends. And, and by the way, we, we talk about this stuff all the time, all the time about getting money back for, for flights. And my friend who is litigious and, and relentless about this has jokingly talked about starting a company called PMI, Persistent Man Incorporated, <laughs> where you hire people whose only job it is to track down and hunt for refunds and (laughs) things that you don't have the time or the will to pursue. great. Charge some kind of nominal fee and just fight airlines, banks, you know, maybe the IRS. I don't know what it would be, but I, I think there's definitely something there. If you had some trustworthy outpost who could handle all this horrible busy work for you um waiting on hold all that shit uh i think that'd be great that's great, great man
1: yeah. and that reminds me of one thing if anybody is ever flying in europe and you get your flight delayed there's an app called air help that will get you like 400 euros because there's some weird law about about flying in europe huh and i've used it before and it works and it's incredible
0: boy so. this whole episode has been like one big ad for so many different
1: companies (laughs) dude listen man you know we're here to help
0: Amex and fucking yeah um (laughs) awesome well let's let's wrap it there dude have a great weekend uh good to see you um well well, actually i think we might be back in our studio in a week or two um for a few episodes so make sure you tune into those and as ever uh send us some some stories or thoughts to oops the podcast at gmail.com as ever, I'm Francis Ellis, and he's Giulio Gallarati. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, everyone.